In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, and that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and for the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. When Jesus called the disciples, he had a vision for the kind of women and men that he wanted them to become. He wanted his disciples to become people who were secure. I'll use that word to help us now in our prayer. People who were secure, women and men who acted freely before challenges, who acted because of who they were, not because of what was expected of them. People who lived, we could say, from the inside out, not from the outside in. People who lived from Jesus instead of trying to live up to him. Jesus looked, and we see this happen so often in the Gospels, would look at his disciples, at the apostles, at the people that he met and preached to and healed and encountered, and he would see them projected forward in time. He would call them, come, follow me. Take up your cross each day and follow me. I am with you until the closing of the age. And he assured them that he would be with them and in them, that he and his father would come and make his abode with them. That he wanted to, them, and he warned them of the, temp, the, the trials, the persecutions, the misunderstandings that they would face. But before all of these things, they were to be secure. Do not be afraid. Every hair of your head is counted. He wanted them secure. The coming of the Holy Spirit brought this about on Pentecost. All of the apostles who weeks before were overcome by fear, who had abandoned Jesus as a result of that fear, those very apostles boldly and powerfully proclaimed who Jesus was and what had happened, and they baptized in the thousands. And that transformation that gave them this confidence and this security, a confidence and security that they had never had before, was a pure gift. But as we are in God's presence now, as we are trying to pray, let's remind ourselves that while, yes, the gift of the Holy Spirit is a pure gift, it is a gift that always completes our natures. Grace is not God hacking into our lives and taking over, substituting us in our decisions or in our personalities or in the development that we've had. God works with the logic of our humanity. He cultivates it, he shapes it, and he teaches it. And this is what Jesus did throughout the three years that he spent with those apostles. And we see in the interactions that he has with them precisely as the teacher as rabbi, as master. 
Jesus trying to shape them in this security. Again, a security, not the kind of curl up in a fetal position and everything is okay security, but the security that they would eventually show in the Acts of the Apostles, going out and transforming the world. Christian witness, the security of Christian witness. And in the minutes that we have now in our prayer, I'd like for us to try to consider going through and unspooling some of the scenes from the gospel, how Jesus shaped and cultivated this ability to be a secure witness. And to do it, I'd like to just try to take as a framework something that is fairly commonly known about how we as human beings come to an understanding of security. And it happens when we're infants, it happens when we're young. And the way in which we're brought up and the way in which we're shaped and it continues throughout our entire life. That in order for us to have a secure sense of life, that we can face things without avoiding them, without running away from them, without being overwhelmed by anxiety, we need to be seen, we need to be safe, and we need to be soothed. And helpfully, it's three things, and they, they have nice alliteration as well. <laughs> Seen, soothed, and safe. All of that leads to security. And what I mean by to be seen, and this can all be helpful as an example of just thinking of an infant, that an infant who's crying and wailing needs, as an experience, a mother or a father who's able to see what he actually needs to discern that because he can't express it. <laughs> is your, do you need your diaper changed? Are you hungry? Has something hurt you? All you're doing is screaming, I need to be able to discern what you actually need. Can I see what's going on inside of you? And of course, that doesn't end when we were two or three years old. But even when we're 36, and we have a lot of ways in which we're seen publicly. Our social media profile, the persona that we have at work, the persona that we have in social gatherings, the persona that we have in family life. And all of those different personae, we need people who can actually see through it all and actually discern who I am and what I need. And to be safe, again, with a two-year-old, it's, it's very clear, safe from danger, safe from things that might harm us. But the person who provides that safety needs to be also someone who isn't threatening and harmful. And to be soothed. Very similar to the previous two, but when we're facing sorrow or pain or difficulty, someone who's able to address it either by compassion or comfort or understanding. For an infant, oftentimes it's being held, it's being caressed, it's feeling that warmth of the body. As we get older, it takes different shapes. It's an ability to listen, to understand, to accompany as we face the challenges and difficulties of life. And those three things, to be seen, to be safe, and to be soothed, respond to a metaphysical neediness that we have. Every single one of us at the center of our being, 
we need a response like this. And to the degree that we have it, it helps us. It facilitates our ability to look outward at life and to face it. And the Holy Spirit, through our life of prayer, through our sacramental life, in a way is constantly trying to address us in those three ways. And I'd like you to just consider now how Jesus did that in the Gospels himself. Jesus' capacity to see. Again, we're not talking about just visually, you know, saying, okay, you're wearing black and that person's wearing yellow and this other one. But the way in which the gospel writer, St. Mark, actually would go to the extreme of inventing words in Greek to describe the way that Jesus would look at people. He would look into them, discerning them, what they were actually thinking. The way that he looked at the rich young man and loved him. He knew that he wasn't just asking, what do I have to do to have eternal life? He saw who he really was. The way he could see the hypocrisy and the distrust and the suspicion in the hearts of the Pharisees. The way he would look with compassion upon the crowds and see them as sheep without a shepherd aimlessly living and exposed to all sorts of dangers. Right now, as we try to pray, as we realize that, as I said at the very beginning, my Lord and my God, I believe that you see me. Right now, we want to remind ourselves that what I'm considering, the ideas that I'm putting forward to you, are actually happening in real time. Jesus sees you in this way in an understanding way, in a perfectly discerning way. The way that he discerned what was actually going on in the hearts of the apostles at the Last Supper, even though they themselves weren't able to actually articulate it or put it into words. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, he tells them. And he says that because he sees that their hearts are troubled. Time and time and time again, we see Jesus discerning the secrets of the heart. And as we consider this now, just to say it, this doesn't mean that Jesus is spying on our interior world. We're kind of being spiritually x-rayed by a snooping God. He's not spying, precisely because he has created us, he sustains us, he loves us, and calls us by name. He is the source of what is most unique and unrepeatable about me. Of course, he sees me. And to be seen by him is to be safe. So often when we feel exposed or caught out, In other relationships, it's a feeling of being threatened. We feel that we were stupid in a comment that we made. We become uncertain if I can say this in this sort of setting. Being seen in social life can sometimes be dangerous. But with Jesus, it's a source of safety. Being safe, we see time and time again, is the attitude that the apostles naturally take on when they're with Jesus. As you read through the Gospels, you just get this sense that the apostles 
are with Jesus, you know, everything was okay. I think particularly of those moments where Jesus is preaching in some of the villages and there's been an uproar and they take him to a hill to throw him off a cliff to kill him. In other words, Jesus is being, and the apostles as well, herded along by an enraged mob. And then without giving much detail, the gospel writer says that Jesus simply passed through their midst. Talk about a feeling of safety. Jesus doesn't work a miracle necessarily. He doesn't even say anything. Just with his authority and his bearing, he just walks away. And I think the apostles were right behind him saying, we're with him. They just went right behind Jesus. With him, everything was possible. How he calms the storm on the sea. Remember the scene. The fear and the panic these experienced fishermen were experiencing. Because it was objectively a dangerous moment. Was in hysteria. And Jesus stands up and the winds and the sea obey his command. Authority. And it's authority that inspires in them awe and a sense of safety. Who then is this that even the seas and the winds obey him? Think about your own life of prayer. Think about your own relationship with Jesus. Do you want to be seen by him? Do you allow him to see you in such a way that you experience the safety of his presence? And try to have a sincere answer to that question. Not the answer you know you should have, but the true answer. And it might need to be a muddled answer, kind of yes and no, or sometimes. But ask for it. That is what we pray for. That is why we contemplate the Gospels. That is why we try to immerse ourselves with a spirit of contemplation into the life of Jesus, so that the Holy Spirit, working through Scripture, can shape us and cultivate us and form us so that we can become secure witnesses of Christ in an oftentimes hostile world. So that we're not looking over our shoulder all the time. So that we don't feel that we're wearing a mask or putting on an act. But that we are filled with confidence as we live out our Christian lives and share it with the people that we care about and that we meet. That safety that Jesus projects is a safety that is opposed to our experience of sin. One of the things we remember from the story in the garden, one of the things that results from sin is an unwillingness to be seen because being seen made them feel very, very unsafe. And that beautiful image of our existence before the fall when they would go for walks with God in paradise. After sin, they hide. 
They don't want to be seen because being seen by him, indeed being seen by one another, is no longer safe. This is why not only prayer, but also the sacrament of reconciliation is so important for us. We can't just conjure ourselves into an emotional state where we feel safe. We can't talk our way into it. We need to be healed into it, forgiven. And that forgiveness is one of the most specific ways in which God soothes us. It's not just with words or with beauty. It is with the actual experience of mercy and of forgiveness. He forgives us, but he also does it with compassion. And this is, as Pope Francis has been teaching us in these last few years, is one of the most important ways for us to understand the action of God through this compassion, this mercy. Consider, for example, the moment when Jesus, passing by a village called Naim, encounters a funeral procession. And in that funeral procession is a widow who's following the corpse of her only son. And she's weeping. She's weeping because she's alone. She's anything but safe. And without being asked, without anyone pleading on her behalf, Jesus seeks her out and he comes up to her and he stops the procession and he says to this woman, do not cry. He soothes her. Because it hurts him to see her in pain. Hopefully in our lives, and it is a great grace to have a friend, a spouse, a relationship, where we can allow ourselves to be seen and we feel ourselves safe as a result and someone who can soothe us in a true way. Not with cliche little maxims or patting us on the back or whatever, but someone who actually understands, feels, and can address the difficulties that we are going through. We need that in others, but we need to discover it in Christ. And I mentioned before that the way in which sin is an obstacle for allowing ourselves to be seen and for allowing ourselves to feel safe well, as well, this point of allowing ourselves to be healed, to be soothed, to allowing God to forgive us, it's a very mysterious way in which we resist that. I don't know if I really have the words for it, but just in my work as a priest, I see it happening time and time and time again. God tries to come close and we pull back at this deep level. Because it's very easy, I think, everything that I've said, to believe that that's the case for other people. And we can see that and we can encourage it, yeah, but somehow for me, not really. <laughs> or it's harder to accept that God really looks at me as the beloved. That were Jesus to appear before me right now, his attitude would not be one of reprimand. But it would be one of delight. Even though I am a sinner. 
You know, I don't have to sweep that under the rug. It's not that I need to, I'm not in denial of it. But I am simply in awe, need to be in awe, before the mercy and the compassion of Christ. Who sees us, who provides us the safety of his presence and soothes us with the balm of his mercy and forgiveness so that we might have a healthy Christian superiority, superiority complex. Security as Christian witnesses. I was thinking about this earlier, about wanting to pray with you all about this topic this afternoon. And a quote from St. Paul came to mind. And it might seem that we're kind of really deviating from the topic, but it struck me as a very particular but illuminating instance of how St. Paul was transmitting to the first Christians this idea of security, this idea of a superiority complex. And it's, in, and it's in his letter to the Ephesians. And it's kind of towards the end where he starts getting into his pastoral advice. And he addresses a particular issue. He says, be careful when, then, how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise. And then he says, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. Okay. Now, I'm saying this not because I have any concerns about the, all of you here. This is what St. Paul says, right? He's living in a pagan culture. Uh, it's anything but uh, spiritualized. It's very sensual. It's very debauched in many ways. So St. Paul is saying, look, this is where you're coming from. This is your social scene. Do not get drunk with wine. But the most fascinating part is what St. Paul says for them to do. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, singing and making melody to the Lord in your hearts, giving thanks to the God the Father at all times and for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, St. Paul has these amazingly long sentences where he puts like all of theology in one sentence. <laughs> but what he's fundamentally saying to the first Christians and to you and to me is to say, you're being provided with a sham happiness and joy. It's on the surface. It's biological. It's chemical. It has to do with alcohol. So don't get drunk with that. Get drunk with the Holy Spirit. On the inside, be filled with joy and with song, singing to the Lord. And then, you know, notice how St. Paul does not pull any punches here. Giving thanks to God at all times and for everything. That is a secure Christian life. To face the difficulties of it, the pain, the hurt, the confusion, the ache, with this desire to sing in gratitude and thanksgiving, because I know the one who has made me his own. Spe gaudentes, rejoicing in hope. That is how Christ wants us to be. That's the kind of security he wants us to have. But as I say these words and as you hear them, all of us realize that it doesn't come automatically. It's not enough to agree with these ideas. We have to pray our way into them. We have to be transformed. We have to commit ourselves to that. 
And as we finish now our prayer and as we turn to worship our Lord present in the Blessed, in the blessed Eucharist, let's ask the Holy Spirit to take away our fear, to take away that reticence, that pulling back that so often characterizes our reaction to God so that we let him see us, so that we can feel the safety of his presence and be soothed by his mercy and let him do what he wants to do through our lives where we try to experience the security of our Christian vocation. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.